Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Yeah.
and 200 or more hits. And the last person to do that uh, in this list of six was Joe DiMaggio in 1937. So just another crazy statistical uh, anomaly that is this season by Ronald Acuna. All other six guys that were on that list, uh, nothing before, everything before 1937, a couple other guys uh, you might know on that list would be like Hack Wilson, Jimmy Fox, and Babe Ruth. Uh, so pretty elite company there. Everybody that has had such a season um, has made the Hall of Fame. So, I mean, we will see as big questions, a lot of questions, as I've said before, about Acuna's health. Uh, Coming into this year, he's been able to answer the bell almost every day. So uh, good on him so far uh, this year. Hopefully he can keep it rolling into the playoffs. Uh, Let's see. All right, check us out uh, throughout the week, 9 p.m. Eastern time, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights. We got NFL front office show on Tuesdays. We got the college cookout on Wednesday nights, roundtable gumbo on Thursdays. Usually we'll have Chandler here. Sometimes another chef or two will drop by. And join us and see what's going on in the building. But looks like I'm flying solo tonight, so I ain't going to keep you guys too long tonight. Just try to drop a few things, uh, set us up for the weekend, what's happening in baseball, uh, and the WNBA finals. Uh, we'll have some, uh, actually, sorry, WNBA semifinals going on. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And. A little bit of college football, NFL going on this weekend as well. So uh, some very interesting things happening in the world of sports. As always, TP Thomas says we're getting towards the end of the first Burr month with uh, three more to go. So we are just partway into this. All right. So look, looking at what's going on around – uh, made <clears throat> what's going on around one second sports city. I just got some low battery notifications and all kinds of stuff going on. So bear with me here as I recalibrate. All right, let's try this. See, get everything going here. Okay. Uh, Thursday night shows, Roundtable Gumbo, and then Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 10 Central, 8 Pacific, 9 Mountain, if we want to include them all. Uh, T.P. Thomas and I and other cooks are stopping by the kitchen even more right now because we're right into the heart of NFL season. So we recap what went on in college football and other things in the world of sports on Saturday night, and then we will go in and kind of pick the Sunday games and the Monday night game. Uh, TP always asks, who do you like in this game and why? So we throw that around the kitchen. Everybody picks the games, uh, and we have a lot of fun kind of going back and forth on that, give each other the business when they were off. Breaking news, Brian Hughes, for example, a couple weeks ago said that he didn't think it would be close between the Niners and <clears throat> Rams and ended up being a, a seven-point game. The nice backdoor cover by Sean McVay at the end of that thing. Uh but I picked the Saints, and as I said earlier this week, you guys uh, might have heard on the round table on the NFL front office show, the Saints were unable to close the deal. They were in position to win that thing. But they were unable to 
close that deal. So uh, you had the rookie kicker set up for a field goal at the very end of the game and didn't make it. So time of Sunday morning, brunch on Sunday morning. So check us out throughout the week. Everything we got going on here. In the kitchen, we always try to serve up uh, food for thought, hot topics as best as possible uh, to give you things to think about, stuff to talk about with your friends and whatever uh, here in Sports City. So shout out to the other chefs, uh, TP Timeless, uh, Chandler Knight, my usual co-host for Roundtable Gumbo. Also to the host of the NFL Front Office Show on Tuesday nights, Mr. Aaron Simmons, Sirius Simmons. And the villain, of course, as well, who hosts the Callers Cookout on Wednesday night. So, shout out to the other chefs. And then our other guys that uh, are part of our group as well, Controversy, uh, Dave Jets, a Jets fan. And the other guy that did the show with uh, Dave Jets and I uh, last year, the baseball buffet that we were doing on Thursday night, uh, Nate Law, listen, uh, Orioles fan through and through, and with their 2 nothing win over the Red Sox tonight, the Baltimore Orioles have clinched the American League East and the number one seed throughout the MLB playoffs. So, big, uh, big ups to Baltimore, man, like, Huge year this year. You know, I, I I thought they would be one more year away, but uh, this team has had a remarkable season, uh, and I think that the future is just going to continue to be brighter and brighter. There, you got Adley Rutschman just in his second year. Uh, Cedric Mullins has not had the kind of year this year that he did a year ago. I think he would be a very good bounce back candidate <clears throat> next season. Uh, I'm very impressed with Gunnar Henderson. Uh, he started very, very slow, but has really settled down and even kind of settled in at the top of that uh, Orioles lineup. He's been able to play third base, a little bit of shortstop. He's definitely going to be in the conversation for Rookie of the Year in the American League. Uh, the Japanese outfielder from the Red Sox will get some consideration too. Uh, but really good year for Gunnar Henderson. Uh, he's Got a chance to hit that 30 home run plateau. Average a little low, 260-ish or so. But, man, it was it was rough early. I drafted him when I needed a third baseman in a fantasy league, and I thought I was going to be in deep trouble uh, for a while. He missed a chunk of time, too. Uh, but he ended up coming back and making it well worth the investment. And because he had some shortstop eligibility, also allowed me to <clears throat> fill him in at times for – uh, Corey Seager when he was out. So that fantasy team of mine, 14-team uh, league, uh, fighting to win a championship. I'm a couple points out. I've uh, been chasing the leader for a while now. We're both pretty much right there. So we will see as the last couple of days kind of come out uh, as we wrap things up here. So looking at the American League playoff picture, let's go there. Uh, real quick and cover that. Baltimore Orioles are going to be your number one seed. Number two seed will probably be whoever wins the West. I think Seattle is less like the least likely of the three teams now. Texas has returned to first place. Houston right on their heels. 
But Texas right now, it's the playoffs ended today, would be there. The number three seed would be the Minnesota Twins. So <clears throat> they would play in the first round. But those other two teams, Baltimore and Texas, getting a bye. The number four seed and top wild card team is going to be the Tampa Bay Rays. As of right now, the Baltimore Orioles would be the number five seed. I'm sorry, the Toronto Blue Jays would be the number five seed. And then the number six seed would be the other team from the Western Division, AL West. Right now would be Houston, Texas, and Seattle hook it up again this weekend for three. So Seattle still has a chance to get themselves back into that discussion. Uh, Toronto's had a couple people banged up as well. So we will see if uh, looking around the National League, the Cubs are have lost two and about to lose a third one to the to the Braves, maybe unless they can come back. Uh, the they are one of the three teams fighting for wild cards. Uh, the Phillies are going to win the first wild card. So Braves' number one seed, it looks like, if they can continue to uh, take care of business. The Dodgers winning the West is the number two seed. The three seed is going to be the Brewers from the Central. So same in both leagues, at least, as far as top three, Eastern Division, Western Division, Central Division champs. Uh, the number four seed is probably going to go to the Phillies. They'll be the top wild card out of the East. Top wild card comes out of the East in the American League as well. Uh, the Diamondbacks right now are in position for the number five seed. The Cubs, six. But going into today, the Reds are only a game and a half out. The Marlins only a half a game out. So very interesting to see what happens over these next couple of days. I think that either one of those teams could possibly still get back in there. So you do have legitimately uh, three teams buying for that last wild card spot. The Giants have finally fallen off. The Padres have gotten hot way too late. But the Padres have gotten hot and tried to get back into this. Um, I think as far as the Padres go, it's just going to be a little bit too little too late. I saw a stat on the Padres today, too, that really spoke some volumes. They won a game in extra innings last night, and that was their first regular season win in extra innings all year long. They were 0-12 this season in extra inning ball games. Uh, if you just win half of those, uh, you are – or likely in the playoff discussion, even with the injuries and other things that have happened there uh, in San Diego. That's a tough team if they can get that pitching staff figured out. We will see. Uh, Blake Snow is a leading contender and may win the National League Cy Young Award this year. If he does, he will be one of a few, uh, a small handful of pitchers that have won the Cy Young Award in both leagues. It's not something that happens. 
on a regular basis. Uh, anyway, so that being said, I think the Dodgers, uh, sorry, the Giants have fallen off that pace, but you still have really three teams contending for that last wild card spot. You throw the Diamondbacks in there, four teams fighting for those two spots right there. Uh, We talked about this last night on the Callers Cookout. Kind of a cool thing to see this many teams in contention for a playoff burst. Just kind of news and notes around baseball. I mentioned Blake Snell, prior leading candidate for the Cy Young. Going in uh, as we hit the last weekend of the regular season, uh, I'm reading that the Padres are not likely to re-sign him or Josh Hader. They're talking about trimming payroll back to around close to that $200 million mark. Uh, the interesting thing with them is you know, they, they made all these headlines all year. We don't care. We'll spend it if we can win and, I mean, hey, if you do win, then that's a bold statement. But when you don't, then eventually there are questions that need to be answered, and that's kind of where we are with this Padres team. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in this offseason and if A.J. Preller gets the opportunity <clears throat> to turn that around or if they make some changes in the front office. Uh, my co-host Chandler Knight would tell you that they also need to fire the manager He says Bob Melvin is not that guy in San Diego. It's hard to argue. Uh, Let's see. Other notes around baseball. Uh, Dodgers have four guys with 100-plus RBIs. Uh, Big time for them. Freeman, Betts, J.D. Martinez, and Max Muncy all have hit the 100 RBI mark on that club this year. Giants would have been their offense really kind of let them down. Uh, the Reds go into that youth movement. Ellie De La Cruz, who set the world on fire when he first came up, uh, definitely hit a slump. But the other night, Tuesday night, he had a mammoth late-inning home run uh, combined with a Cubs loss, a game that the Cubs really should have won. They, uh, Suzuki dropped the ball in right field that allowed two runners to score. He catches that ball. They get out of that inning. But he dropped a ball that allowed two runners to score. Braves win the game 7-6. to six. Uh, The Braves did come back and win last night as well in extras. And then they're up tonight 5-2 to two <clears throat> into the seventh. So uh, this Braves team, who looked like they kind of hit a lull, were 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Um, they got swept in Miami in a three-game series. Uh, weekend before last, but they came home uh, last week. They lost two out of three to the Phillies after being swept in Miami. So this is a team that uh, lost five out of six. But they come home, they get well. Uh, actually, no, they went to D.C. And they played the Nationals uh, for four games, and they take three out of four there, and then they come home they've won the – uh, two from the Cubs, if they can win tonight, that'll be six out of seven going into this last series at home against the Nationals to close the regular season. So at least a little bit of a hotter streak going into the postseason. If you, if somehow they can find a way to even get two out of three from those Nationals, uh, 
uh, and they can win tonight, then that would be you know, eight out of ten. Eight out of their last ten going into the postseason. So we'll see. Uh, the Braves have shut Max Freed down uh, because of a blister. Just to give it plenty of time, they think they should have him back by the postseason. Uh, they put him on the 15-day uh, IL, so he would come off, would be slated to come off the IL just in time to start game one of the LDS or game two, depending. Uh, I'm reading that they're going to run Spencer Strider out there for one more start tomorrow night. Uh, he's, man, like 280-something strikeouts. Uh, he's not going to quite make it to 300 this year, but he does also have a chance with a good performance to – be MLB's only 20-game winner uh, this season. So that would be a big accomplishment um, if Spencer Strider can do that. And just really his first full season as a starter. Uh, may remember last season he came up, uh, he pitched some out of the pen, fifth starter early. Uh, as the year continued, he sort of took the – got himself into the rotation and started pitching every fifth day. But that really wasn't until maybe the last 100 games of the season, a good third of the way in, uh, before he started taking the ball every fifth day. So this is really his first year to be a full-time starter. Giving up a few extra home runs, but he's been able for the most part to limit the walks. And even when he hasn't had his best stuff, he's been able to pitch deep enough into games to give that team the opportunity to come back. And that offense in Atlanta, if you give them a chance, uh, they can come back for you. This is a, a team that is going to have 11 guys, very possibly, uh, finished with double-digit home runs. Uh, you got possibly four guys over 30. You might have as many as eight or nine guys over 15. Uh, it's just remarkable uh, what this team has been able to pull off. Uh, looking around uh, tonight, they are sitting, I want to say, at 303 home runs now. Uh, 307 is the number for the Twins. The Braves are the first National League team to ever hit more than 300 home runs in a season. Only two other teams have done it. Uh, the Yankees hit 306 one year in the 2000s, and the Twins have the record for most home runs in a season in 2019. The Minnesota Twinkies hit 307 home runs. So the Braves have a chance to eclipse that record as well. That's really about the only record they have left to smash. Uh, Acuna just got the 70 last night, uh, 70 steals to go with the 40 home runs. Uh, Matt Olson uh, broke the franchise record for home runs in a season. I think he's up over 54 now. He also broke the franchise record for RBIs in a season. Uh, just an incredible offensive season uh, by this team. Never seen an offense this deep. There's just not very many. There's no real outs in this lineup. You know, Ozzie missed a chunk of time. They're still at 30 home runs, 100 RBIs. Out of the two hole, um, you know, you go Acuna and Albies, and then Riley, Olsen, Marcelo Zuna, who started so slow, 30 plus home runs, right? 100 RBIs as well. I think Marcelo's got 37 home runs this year. 
Uh, then you got Eddie Rosario, who's got 70-plus RBIs. Out of the sixth hole, you hit the catcher seventh. He can either be Darno or Sean Murphy between the two. Uh, extremely productive uh, at the catching position, 30-plus home runs. Uh, between the two of them, Orlando Arcia has been an all-star, was an all-star this year. He's going to finish around 280-290, 15 or so home runs for him. And then Michael Harris, Money Mike, who started the season very slow, going to finish around that 290-295 mark as well. So just no easy outs in that lineup. And even the veterans, who the the stats aren't always going to show, but Kevin Pillar has been big for them when they have needed him. Uh, sometimes playing left field against a tough left-handed pitcher uh, to give Eddie Rosario a day off. He's played right once or twice to allow Acuna to DH, but he's done a nice job for this team as well. So uh, if if this team gets there, gets enough out of their pitching. Uh, they're going to definitely be a problem. They're going to be a clear favorite in the National League going into that postseason. So, uh, but once again, anything can happen in a short series. I keep telling these guys, uh, Taylor, TP Timer say it's a foregone conclusion, Braves, Dodgers, and the NLCS. And both of them got upset last year, so it could happen again. The Braves are definitely a clear-cut favorite, but the Phillies are not scared of Atlanta. They're not intimidated by them as, at all. And I think a five-game series is more likely to yield an upset than seven. Uh, the the conventional wisdom is the longer the series, the uh, more likely that the best team uh, finds a way to get it done. But when you shorten that series, anything can happen. So looking around, Major League Baseball, the Mets have a lot of questions to answer in this offseason. Uh, the Marlins still have a chance to make the postseason. Feel bad for Sandy Alcantara, though. Uh, comes off of Cy Young last year. Some arm injuries. He's going to shut it down for the rest of this year and decide if surgery needs to take place or not. So uh, with Sandy Alcantara, a speedy recovery that he can get back. That guy's a lot of fun to watch pitch even though this year he definitely didn't have the same uh, magic that he had a year ago. So I think that pretty much hits everything we need to cover in baseball. WNBA, very exciting series. The Connecticut Sun was able to get one on the road, so they have – the Liberty got one back in game two and, sp- and split that series. So we're 1-1 going back to Connecticut tomorrow night. These games are on ESPN tomorrow night. should definitely check them out. The Connecticut Sun and the New York Liberty and the NBA semifinals. These are the two and three seeds. Uh, really quality basketball being played. I don't really – Brianna Stewart wins the MVP. Everybody kind of uh, – Alyssa Thompson and Thomas sulking a little bit. Uh, saying she felt snubbed, but listen, Rihanna had a fantastic season. I can understand why you want to win this award, but uh, you know, I 
you had three really good candidates, and I don't really think that, uh, you know, to me, when I think of snub, I think you lose to somebody that's not as deserving. So I, I don't, I don't like you know, her comment saying she got snubbed or whatever. I don't really like that. Uh, I, I think that it could have gone either way. This person had a really good year as well, but Brianna Stewart, MVP of the WNBA this season. Uh, but we'll see who gets the last laugh. We're back to Connecticut tomorrow. And then the Las Vegas Aces are not messing around. Double digits in their first two wins against the Dallas Wings. Now they go back to Dallas tomorrow night. And the Aces have a chance to close out that series. You know, we were talking about it even before the season started. Chandler and I on this show, uh, we talked about it right at the end of the college basketball season to look out for this, and there's a lot of discussion. We said uh, very strong possibility of Liberty and Aces in the NBA Finals. In the WNBA Finals, it definitely looks like it now as well, but the Connecticut Sun, Timeless' team uh, up in the Northeast have a chance to throw a monkey wrench into this. Like I said, they have home court right now, so they would have to win both on their home court. So anything can still happen. I think that Dallas's goose is probably cooked. So I, we'll see the Las Vegas Aces against whoever comes out of that series in the East between the Liberty and the Connecticut Sun. That'll be a lot of fun to see. Uh, keep an eye out for that. Even if you guys don't watch a lot of women's basketball, this is basketball played at a very, very, very high level uh, Good skill, good fundamentals, definitely worth checking out for sure. Now, looking around college football, some very interesting games going on this weekend. A lot of a lot of SEC games I want to kind of mention. You guys know that's a conference I pay a lot of extra attention to, but I want to hit a couple other ones first. Notre Dame plays Duke this weekend. Uh, Duke had the first win over Clemson that opening weekend. Uh, Duke has really looked the part of a legit contender in the ACC. Uh, So this will not count as a conference game, but we'll see how they look against Notre Dame, who just came off of that loss against Ohio State, and it was a really hard-fought close game. The Buckeyes uh, got a touchdown in the last play of the game, run and play from the one-yard line. A play in which the Fighting Irish only had 10 men on the field on the defensive side of the ball. So it's a little easier to stop the other team if you have a full 11 out there, but they didn't. And Ohio State scored and won the game. And then Ryan Day wanted to talk about how physical their team is and how they answered a lot of questions about being able to get it done late uh, in games and how they didn't get out physical well. You're supposed to be able to punch it in if the only team only, other team only has 10 guys out there. But a big win for Ohio State against Notre Dame. Possibly a signature win for them. Uh, tough loss for Notre Dame. They still have a few chances to redeem themselves this season. This Duke game. They also play USC in a couple weeks. So there's another opportunity for Notre Dame, too. If not get themselves back into the playoff discussion, 
maybe make life hard on somebody else trying to get into that four-team playoff. This is what, to me, is going to make the 12-team playoff exciting next year. I'm not in favor of all this conference realignment and everything else, but one of the things that makes this 12-team playoff very interesting to me is one or even two losses maybe won't necessarily eliminate you from contention uh, in the playoff picture. Uh, We see it all the time in football, even in the NFL. One team wins one week, and sometimes you see adjustments, and the next time they hook up, it can go the other way. Uh, We saw that with uh, Alabama and Georgia a couple of times. Not lately, but we have seen it. We saw it with Alabama and LSU uh, several years ago. And so uh, that's one of the very interesting matchups to me to see in these rematches, if they do happen come playoff time, uh, how many of these for sure go the same way or if, you know, in how many cases is the other team able to kind of flip the script on that result. So uh, next year that 12 team should be very, very interesting. There's been conversations about with the Pac-12 being gone instead of doing the six conference champs, the five major conference champs and the the highest rated conference champ from the non-power five and then six at large. There's talk now about maybe they're going to go to five conference champions, the four major conferences being Big Ten, SEC, Big 12, and Big 10. Big 12, Big 10, SEC, and ACC. There you go. So those four champs with the highest rated, the highest rated non-Power 5 conference champ, and then seven at-large teams make up your 12. Uh, one of the things that I've seen that I'm not sure if this is what's going to happen is you have to win your conference championship to qualify for a bye um, in the first round. So we will see what happens there uh, as they continue to uh, stay tuned. You're going to see a lot more of that in the months to come as they get ready to prepare for the first year of a 12-team playoff next season. Uh, But this year we still got our four. So, uh, you know, only four teams are going to make it. And so it's going to be very interesting to see over these next few Saturdays how things shake out. Uh, I'm really interested this weekend. I mentioned Duke and Notre Dame. I'm going to say Notre Dame finds a way to bounce back and win this thing. I hope that's not what happens, but I do uh, have a lot of respect for uh, Marcus Freeman and the job that he's doing at Notre Dame. Uh, I look at him, I, I look at that staff, and I'm going to say they find a way to get this done against Duke. Uh, Duke is going to have college game day visiting there for the first time ever. They've had it for basketball plenty of times, but never before for a football game. So nice job by Duke becoming relevant again for the first time since the David Cutcliffe days. Well, when they had Daniel Jones, they were pretty good. (laughs) And then they had a couple other decent years there, but – the last time they were actually in the discussion for a conference championship was with Steve Spurrier in the late 1980s when they won a conference championship. So uh, interesting to see. 
what happens with the Duke Blue Devils against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish on Saturday. So I'm going to go from the Atlantic to the Pacific Coast and look at the Pac-12 Conference uh, tomorrow night, which should be a very entertaining Friday night game. If you feel like checking it out, Oregon State versus Utah. Utah, best defense in that conference probably. Do they get their starter back or is he out another week? And then Oregon State kind of took it on the chin from Washington State this past weekend. But DJ Oyogulier uh, has done a nice job at Oregon State after transferring from Clemson. Oregon State, relevant this year. They just dropped their first game last weekend to Washington State. So uh, let's see what happens with the – Utah Utes and the Oregon State Beavers on Friday night football on Fox or FS1. I think it's an FS1 game. And then on Saturday, Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffaloes. Once again, without their do-it-all on both sides of the ball, superstar Travis Hunter will be playing USC this weekend. I'm really curious to see after that Oregon defense um, harassed uh, Colorado and Shadur Sanders all day long, uh, how they do against this USC defense who has shown a lot of cracks. Teams have been able to score on them this year. So can Shadur Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes offense come back and raise their level of play against USC uh, on Saturday, that'll be very interesting. Uh, one storyline that I'm really watching this weekend. I think the USC roster is still probably a little more talented from top to bottom, a little bit better on the line of scrimmage right now. But I expect Colorado to show up and play and play pretty well. I, I don't expect them to get beat the way they did this past weekend. But what do I know? I was one of the ones that told you that I thought that Colorado could cover the points against Oregon. So Colorado, USC this weekend. And we're going to find a lot out about USC just in these next uh, three-plus weeks, in the next, I'll say, 23 days. Because they play Colorado Saturday, and then two weeks after that, Notre Dame, followed by Utah. So uh, just in the next 23 days, you get three ranked teams in Colorado, Notre Dame and Utah, and then after a couple other games, you come back and you got a two-game stretch in November with Oregon and Washington. So USC definitely has some quality opponents on their schedule. This is a year with what these teams have been able to do out of conference. This is a year that even a one-loss Pac-12 team, I think, could find their way into the college football playoffs. It's been kind of a foregone conclusion in past seasons that if you come out of the Pac-12, you better be undefeated. If you want to make the playoffs, I don't think that's the case this year. I think that you can get in with one loss out of the Pac-12, possibly. So we'll keep an eye on what's going on there. In the Pac-12 conference, we will also looking at not really anything huge from the Big 12. 
Oh, I mentioned this Sunday. I did want to say this. Um, BYU joined the Big 12. You know, they just knocked off Arkansas uh, a week ago, two weeks ago now. Part of that was Arkansas shooting themselves in the foot with 14 penalties and a couple of uh, turnovers late. But BYU and Central Florida and Cincinnati, three of these schools that joined the Big 12 this year, all took it on the chin. Uh, BYU dropped a game to Kansas, who uh, looks pretty good, actually. <laughs> Kansas does. And then uh, Central Florida drops their game to Kansas State. And then Cincinnati also loses to Oklahoma. So uh, the newcomers to the Pac-12 was rude welcomes. Uh, to that conference this past weekend. So we will see how these teams uh, bounce back and how they do moving forward as we get deeper into uh, the conference slate. Now, I did want to comment on one thing from the Big Ten real quick. Can we please stop ranking the Iowa Hawkeyes. Is that too much to ask? Can we stop ranking them? Uh, They are good for a surprise win or an upset win, especially sometimes at home at night in Kinnick Stadium. Uh, But this team's offense, uh, they look as bland and as vanilla as – it's bad. They can't score. They brought in the transfer quarterback from Michigan, Drew McNamara, who was right there in that quarterback race last year. Eventually lost lost out on that job to McCarthy. But they can't score. Iowa offensively is just bad. Uh, Defensively, they're pretty solid. Uh, But they got to be 31 and nothing in Happy Valley this past weekend. Uh, the the recent joke going around the state of Iowa, so Kurt Ferris, the head coach, his son, Brian, is the offensive coordinator. Brian came out this year and said if they didn't average 25 points and go 7-5 or better, that he was going to step down after this year. So, in your first couple games, one against Iowa State, one against, uh, like, a Utah State or somebody, somebody not from uh, a Power Five, they were still under that 25-point average. Now you just got shut out against Penn State. Not a good look uh, in Iowa City. Uh, head coach's son is not going to have a job next season, at least as offensive coordinator. Uh, the recent thing that I saw on Facebook was a thing that said, I had to, this year for Halloween, I decided that I don't uh, that I wanted to make sure to dress up as something that nobody could consider of, of offensive, so I'm dressing up as Brian Ferentz. Uh, so that was that's one of the recent things making its rounds uh, in the Hawkeye State. Yeah, I want to dress up as nothing offensive for Halloween, so I'm gonna go as Brian Ferentz. Uh, so now let's go to the SEC. few big games in the conference this weekend. Uh, the ones that don't really garner as much attention from me. Uh, 
Auburn and Georgia. The only interesting thing to me about this is Vegas has this spread at 14. And I don't know if this is because Georgia's been a little slow getting out of the gate, but Auburn can't score. Auburn is as bad as Iowa. Like, listen, they could still be playing. Iowa could still be playing Penn State in Happy Valley right now since Saturday, and they still wouldn't have found the end zone. Uh, and I kind of feel that same way recently watching – I kind of still feel that way watching Auburn play. Though I know Hugh Freeze has got pretty good schemes or whatever. Maybe he can kind of scheme some things and make some things work. But I, just something seems fishy about this 14-point spread to me. Now, Alabama travels on the road. Jalen Milrow goes into Mississippi State. I expect him to win this game. I'm curious to see how Will Rogers and that offense looks. I think they're still trying to kind of figure their identity out, new coach and everything. And Starkville, so and then Missouri goes to Vanderbilt. Missouri undefeated. Having pulled the upset over Kansas State a couple weeks ago. Then they followed up with a win over a pretty good Memphis school. And Missouri wins this game, they'll be undefeated next week. Uh at five and oh with L S U coming to town uh next. Saturday morning for an 11 a.m. Uh, kick time, 12 a.m. East, 12 p.m. Eastern uh, next Saturday. So uh, it could be a really big game in Columbia, Missouri, with a lot of hype if they win this game that they're supposed to win. Now the games that kind of raise my interest the most in the SEC this weekend, there is really four of them that I'm interested to see how they turn out. South Carolina and Tennessee. Now, this is a revenge game for Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee thought they were on the verge of playoffs and everything else last year, and then they got boat raced by South Carolina. That was the game that Hendon Hooker went down in, but they did not play very well against South Carolina. South Carolina put up 63 on them. Uh, Spencer Rather had a remarkable football game. And the Tennessee fans have had this one marked all season long. Uh, South Carolina is going into Knoxville to play. So this one's going to be really interesting. I do want to say, after the first game of the year, they lost to North Carolina. Going back and watching that game, uh, North Carolina lived in that backfield in that first game. And in the Georgia game, they start, South Carolina started fast. They kind of tapered off once Juice Wells, the running back, went down. But as critical as I've been of him, I believe Spencer Rather is actually playing at a pretty high level uh, so far this season. So we'll see if that translates or if he can do anything beyond uh, college. But he's playing pretty well uh, this season. I'm impressed with the early returns on Spencer Rattler. Uh, Joe Milton has taken over the job at Tennessee. He could throw the ball a long way, but don't know that he's got a lot of touch on the ball. 
uh, and accuracy on those mid-range throws, which that Josh Heupel offense is really uh, you know, tailored to a quarterback being able to get the ball out on time and be accurate even on these short to mid-range throws. So uh, I have not seen Joe Milton consistently operate this offense at the same level. And this is not the t- same Tennessee team. They still got some talent, but this is not the same Tennessee team that we saw a year ago. You don't have Jalen High. You don't have Cedric Tillman. This is not the same club that they had a year ago. So uh, we will see. But that South Carolina-Tennessee game should be very, very interesting. The other three games I want to look at real quick in the Southeastern Conference is Arkansas and A&M playing in Jerry's World. Uh, this game is supposed to return back to the campuses pretty soon. But A&M just lost their quarterback, Connor Wegman, to the, for the rest of the season. Uh, due to a foot injury or leg injury, in steps Max Johnson. I keep hearing all this talk on SEC radio and all these people saying, well, he's really good and he's this and he's that. Max Johnson's an average quarterback. Maybe he does okay at A&M. He's got some skills. He won a couple games at LSU. He transferred out of there so he can go play with his brother. But, listen, Max Johnson is not a superstar. He is basically what his pops was. He's a, a backup quarterback who have given some chances, can still do some damage. And that's what Brad was. Uh, you know, Brad Johnson came out of Florida State, was pretty much a backup for the balance of even his uh, college career. He got to the pros. He got a couple of chances to start. He started in Minnesota. He started in a couple of Redskins teams uh, when they were the Redskins. Uh, but you know, started in Tampa. I think was the starting quarterback for the Tampa Super Bowl winning team, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So, did get a Super Bowl ring, better than average uh, from them, you know, a better career than the average uh, quarterback, but definitely not a star by any means. But I think that's what Max is. I think Max is smart. I think he understands the game. Uh, He's not going to be a superstar. He's not going to make all the throws. But I I think he plays within himself. So we'll see uh, what or how Texas A&M does with Mac Johnson. It's interesting with all the COVID years and everything else, they got that guy classified as a sophomore. This guy was playing games during the COVID season of 2023. Uh, I mean, 2020. This guy came in, LSU was 3-5. and After Miles Brennan got hurt, he won at Florida because a kid from Florida threw, uh, threw a guy's shoe that fell off uh, on a play out of frustration and kept a drive alive. So Max Johnson was playing. This would have been his at easily his fourth season in college football, but he did have the transfer. You lose a year. You get an extra year because of COVID. So he's now a sophomore. We'll see how he does there. Watching K.J. Jefferson, man, he's a problem. He played a really good game last week against LSU. He did not have the interceptions that he had the week before. Uh, Arkansas minimized the penalties. They played really well in Baton Rouge. Uh, LSU got out with a win. They were lucky to do so. But it was a very highly contested game, just like every one of these games have been for the last several years between LSU and Arkansas. So I'm really curious to see how K.J. Jefferson does coming back this week after playing a really good game in Baton Rouge 
They might not have won that game, but it wasn't his fault. So how does that look with uh, Jefferson coming uh, into Jerry World? Can he pull the upset and knock off the higher-ranked Texas A&M Aggies? We will see there. I think Texas A&M probably has the more talented club, but Arkansas has got the better quarterback, and he is a load to bring down. Okay, the last game I want to talk about, the LSU Tigers and Brian Kelly take their show into Oxford to play the Ole Miss Rebels. A lot of talk about Lane Kiffin poking the bear, and then, uh, you know, you play with the bull, you get the horns, right? And that's what happened with Nick Saban last weekend. Uh, it looked really promising going in. They lost by two touchdowns. Uh, how do they bounce back? This is a team that has a lot of potential. Jackson Dart has shown a lot of growth, uh, and they get LSU at home. So is this the game that Lane Kiffin finally gets his win against a team that he's not favored against, even though the game's at home? Uh, Lane Kiffin has won very few, if any, games that he wasn't necessarily supposed to win. I would be shocked if they beat LSU. LSU still got questions in the secondary and some other things to get figured out. Uh, and so I wouldn't be shocked if somehow Ole Miss can pull this off, but I'm telling you, don't bet on it. Uh, LSU is very, very tough up front, could make it tough for Ole Miss to run. If LSU can get pressure with four, look out. Uh, because even though the Ole Miss, Ole Miss defense is better, I don't know if they can really stop LSU. So uh, LSU Ole Miss, 5 o'clock on ESPN. That'll be a lot of fun this weekend. Man, check us out. Check out our shows. Real quick, uh, Brian Kelly, my co-host, keeps saying it's not the guy. When you look at all the other guys that could have been hired there, he was still the best option. Check us out, 9 o'clock Eastern, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights, 11 a.m. Eastern on Sundays. The time of Sunday morning brunch on Sundays where we recap the weekend and set the table for you for Sunday. And then we got the other three shows throughout the week. Check out the website, phiapparel.co. Use promo code CHEFS at checkout for your 15% off. Laissez les bon temps rouler. And as TPO always says, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the CHEFS again. And if they don't know, now they know. Peace out here. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 